0: I'm your host, Lee W. Johnson, and welcome to my podcast, where I talk about all things related to magic, witchcraft, demonolatry, and a whole load of other related things. If you would like to find out more about me, get in touch with me, or hire me for a service, please go to my website, leewjohnson.com, or check out my link tree in the description of this podcast. time to do another book review. So today we're doing uh, the book by Matt Orin, Psychic Witch, A Metaphysical Guide to Meditation, Magic and Manifestation. This is actually a book that's been on my list for a very very long time, um, ever since he brought it out actually and finally got around to getting it and reading it. I actually want to start with the design. I actually just want to check Uh, because the design is amazing just check the uh, credits where are the credits again I'll check who actually contributed to the artwork and the design itself here we go Uh, okay book design by Samantha Penn, cover design by Kevin Brown and cover illustration and interior illustrations by Tim Foley, remainder of illustrations by Llewellyn Art Department. Okay so a few people contributed to the design of this but it's not just the actual artwork it's the design of the book it's the the care that was put into the presentation of it. Um, I mean it's a nice simple straightforward design and artwork but it's it's so effective um but i I think you saw you have things like this um but in between chapters so a lot of people start their uh, next chapter on an odd page and sometimes you have a blank page so as you're going through the book read you read and you come to a blank page so what do you do with a blank page fill it in with some artwork and some beautiful artwork as well so you'll find that throughout the book we have the owl and you also have the eye um, and the decals around the, the chapter titles. There's just so much care been put into the the actual book, into the presentation of it that it's just, it's a marvellous lovely book to actually read apart from the information. The information in this book is Incredible. It really is good. i just show you the back cover quickly. Um, Alright, so the information is great. Now, Psychic Witch, what you might immediately think of is it will be a book about um, developing your psychic abilities, which it is. But it's more than just that. Um so it's not just a book about how to open your third eye or to see auras or things like that it goes into actual magical practice and it starts you right from the beginning right from from sitting down and meditating right through to developing your skills and it's it actually you can use this book as a grimoire Um so it will as I said it will take you right from the beginning meditation and it will take you right through to how to cast spells and how to do healing uh, it goes into the three bodies um, i'll get there just now i'm just going to show you you go through the chapters there's a whole list of exercises and there's a lot of exercises there really are as you can see um, so it, it really does preliminary focus, psychic immersion, psychic affirmations, learning to focus with basic, basic meditation, uh, treasure chest for, for stress, cocoon or relaxation. So this is meditation and getting you into a relaxed state, which then develops into uh, trance states and grounding work. Um, it goes through psychic cleansing, um, And then we go into Spell to Awaken your Psychic Abilities. So it's not just meditations and visualizations. There's also spell works in here, which you can use to um, develop your psychic senses. Um, But as I said, it's not just about developing your psychic senses in the sense of opening your third eye. It's about developing your psychic senses in order to do actual spell work and actual magic. Um, So it really is a great book and let me just go back to the chapters so what you find is um, as I said you start off with meditation relaxation and then you go through tuning in processes which is tuning into the actual um, uh, uh, psychic senses themselves going through extrasensory perception He explains all the different clairs extensively Um, purification and shielding so you've got your protection work and your cleansing and then it goes into there's one, two, three, three chapters um, actually four chapters on the actual soul. So this splits the soul into three parts and it uh, discusses them in terms of the lower self, middle self, and higher self and it is very much from a perspective um, there's a lot of influence from um, and the Andersons fairy tradition in here, and also um, Laurie Cabot, uh, who was one of Matt Orrin's teachers, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so there is some Wicca, there is some fairy tradition in here, but the discussion on the three the three soul parts, the three selves, is very extensive. it, it it's it actually has a lot of um, uh, aspects from Kabbalah, from traditional traditional witchcraft, um, and really discusses the soul in great great depth. I don't agree with everything, and you know everybody um, is different. They have a different, although um, they they learnt things differently. Um, it doesn't mean that either are wrong or right. It just means that the teaching that Matt um, got as he progressed through his magical career is just slightly different to someone else's like mine for instance Um, but the things that I don't agree with are so minor it's hardly even mentioning but I will anyway uh, just to point out you know how simple these these differences are the higher self for instance there's two things here Um, the higher self for instance Um, He mentions that uh, the Higher Self has access to all knowledge, to the Akashic records and everything else. From my Kabbalistic teachings, I understood that as being the Lower Self. Um, Then there was also a mention of, I'm just trying to find it, of the Ruach in relation to the Higher Self, which I didn't find here. Um, the idea of air and breath, because he's relating the element of air to the head and to the higher self, which makes sense because in, in many regards, in many traditions, we do place the element of air in the, in the head, and which again relates to the higher self. Um, however, he does state here, the idea of air and breath and spirit are linked almost universally as the breath of life, and even the word spirit... Comes from the Latin word "spiritus," which translates as breath. Similarly, the word for spirit in Hebrew is "ruach," uh, which translates to wind, etc., uh, etc. Et and the difficulty here is that "ruach" is actually the middle self in uh, in Judaic magic, Jewish magic in Kabbalah. So, you know, it gets a bit a bit sticky. Um, and as I said, don't agree with everything, but majority of it um, is sound. It's it's absolutely fantastic. This is an excellent book for anybody to read, whether you are a beginner, and especially for a beginner, because as I said, it takes you right from the beginning, takes you right through. Um, what I did find really, really fantastic. He goes through after discussing the souls. Let me just go here first. After discussing the soul parts, he discusses the elements themselves, the the four elements and spirit. And then after discussing the elements, he goes into the planetary aspects, terrestrial energy, um, the earth, and then goes into the planetary forces itself. And then he goes into this multi-dimensional manifestation. Um, which is how we can uh, work with the different energy bodies and the different energy aspects in order to do magic. Um, There's a lot of mention of the three cauldrons, uh, which is from the Cauldron of Posey from um, Amagin. And this is actually, I I hope if if Matt ever watches this, I hope he doesn't mind me reading this part. Uh, multi-dimensional magic it's only uh, it's about just over a page long it's a bit more than I suppose fair use um, is, allows but I just want to read this because it, it, the explanation here for how magic works um, and pertaining to the the different because it, this is as I said this is a chapter about the actual um, energy bodies so going from the physical um, to the athric, to the astral, to the astral, to the emotional, mental, and into the psychic and divine, and relating those two the different, the three different soul parts, the three cauldrons, the three worlds, etc. But this explanation is—it really is one of the best I've ever ever read, and so I wanted to read it here. And I suppose you know, apart from it being a bit extensive compared to fair use. Um, You could always pause the video and read it yourself, I suppose. So reading is not going to change, make much of a difference. Um, To perform successful magic, we start with the physical. We may gather physical ingredients such as candles, herbs, poppets, crystals, etc. We may even hold our physical prompt gesture of crossing our fingers. This begins the energy work. We then create an energetic container for it in the etheric by creating space for the magic. This is expressed as clearing the mind and getting into an altered state, setting aside a time to perform the magic and casting a circle or creating sacred space. By doing this, we are setting the stage for creation. Next, we push that container of magic along with what's in it, which is often referred to as a thought form, into the astral by filling it with our willpower and willing our intentions to manifest. We then push this thought form into the emotional by conjuring conjuring up and aligning with the emotional energy we wish to manifest and directing that into the spell. Root workers and conjurers are known for playing classical blues and jazz music, which evokes the emotional power of the working that, that they're doing in the background while performing their magic. If you're creating magic to manifest love, you revoke those inner feelings of love and bliss to be attached to your thought form. We then move the thought form into the mental by expressing our desire clearly. This is done through mentally or verbally affirming what you desire, writing up out petitions, speaking the words of a spell, chanting or singing. In the next stage of our magic, we push the thought form into the psychic by clearly envisioning the outcome we desire and visualizing how that desire may be manifested. The last step in our formula for casting a spell, we send it out into the divine by petitioning deity to intervene on our behalf. This can be expressed as which is raising the cone of power and sending the thought form out into the cosmos to be done. We surrender the thought form to the highest levels of reality and release our attachment to it. Once this is done and the actual magical casting is finished, it then returns us to returns to us like a boomerang. It is returned to us by ensuring all of our energy is in alignment with what we are seeking to obtain. When every part of ourselves is in alignment with our magic, we become our magic and it almost is and, and it is almost impossible for that magic to not become a reality. We honour the divine and align with our higher will and we act in service to others which initiates the manifestation back into our lives. From the divine, it enters into the psychic as we envision that the spell has already manifested and happened and refusing to envision any outcome that contradicts our desire. From the psychic, it enters the mental by knowing that it is already being sorry, being fulfilled and not allowing our thoughts that contradict our desire to override our manifestation. It then enters the emotional by feeling that it is happening and ensuring that we are emotionally optimistic about its manifestation. It's then brought down into the astral by remaining utterly steadfast in our willpower and refusing anything less than results. It then begins anchoring into the etheric, when we create space within our our lives for it to manifest. It then becomes a physical reality that we take the initiative of of action, which is an essential but often overlooked element in spellcasting. Physical activity is like creating an outlet for all of this energy to flow through into the physical plane. For example, you are not going to manifest the perfect relationship for you, if you are not actively putting yourself into social situations where you meet meet someone, if you've performed all of these steps but sit on your on your laurels, there's a strong chance that nothing is going to change, nor is your soulmate going to burst through the walls of your living room, on t- only to find you on your couch. So, I just think it's a brilliant explanation of how. Um, when we're doing spell work and magic, manifestation work, how it goes through the different layers, the different energy bodies, the different energy emanations. Um, And then once it's been put out there, it then has to come back into the physical and the process it takes to come back into the physical. So really, really good. Um, Then he goes through the various um, different energy bodies and layers. And explains those in in in, uh, in great depth, um, and then there's a multi-dimensional magic, um, mind magic. Um, the process here that he takes to do his do the magic work itself, excellent, absolutely amazing. One of the exercises, and then it goes into actual spells you can do. So it gives you examples of spell working, and what's great is he targets the actual. Um soul or body or self the, you, you would be working with in this particular thing so this one would be your lower self this would be a soul alignment of all all selves and then the middle self it goes into the planetary power power you can work with and also into the actual psychic ability, the actual clear that you will be um, uh, working with, the psychic sense um, so really I love this book, it is an absolutely amazing book Um, And as I said, for anybody who is a beginner, absolutely fantastic. Uh, He really does take you from A to Z throughout the the entire process. Um, And each exercise builds on itself. So you start with a meditation exercise and relaxation, um, those exercises and then you move on to the cleansing, the protection and shielding. And then you move on to the the, the different uh, three cells or the three souls and you do exercises to align them. To work with them individually and then to align them, and then you you continue through um, how to activate, um, or it goes into how to cast a circle. It goes into how to open the energy for one of the elements, so you can pull in that energy and experience it. And also it goes into the planetary, um, uh, the planetary aspects and how to work with those individually. Um, how to open. Um, the elements or the planetary aspects on your hand, so you can create a an energy ball which is infused with the intention that you, you're getting it just it goes into everything it goes from A to Z it really does absolutely fantastic book I definitely definitely recommend this and you will find a link in the um, little eye icon the info icon uh, click that and it should open the panel which will send you to Amazon and you can purchase the book from there and obviously if you follow that link, it is an affiliate link and therefore I will get a small commission from the sale Um, it doesn't affect the price uh, of the the purchase of the book um, regardless of whether you go through the link or not Um, but it is much appreciated if you do, because it helps me out Alright, so Matt Orion Psychic Witch brilliant book. I just want to show you the design again. It's just, I love, love, love the the care and the, you know, these images in between the chapters, just, it's marvellous. It really is. Never even thought of doing that myself. Right. Thanks for watching and hope you enjoy the book. Cheers for now. Bye bye. Welcome to the Ask Lee segment of my channel and if you have any questions regarding magic, spirituality, witchcraft, humanology, the occult, whatever it may be then all you have to do is drop it into the comments of any of the Ask Lee videos and I will add it to the queue and I do these every Wednesday so just look out for your questions. Okay so today We are... well, let's just start with a question, shall we? Uh, From Linda Green, a question. Um, Can or should you offer blood to a human spirit while performing necromancy? No, don't. Um, And this I have found recently is contradictory to what a lot of people actually seem to think, Um, and this includes demonolatry. Um, I should have actually looked for the actual source Um, but there is mention of when you go and gather graveyard dirt um, you do a particular um, uh, offering or ritual and you offer blood as a replacement for the graveyard dirt that you're taking. Um, I also saw somebody recently um, who was referring to, it. there was a, a comment to a post about Basically about ancestral worship, and they said that you know when you work with the graveyard or, or do graveyard magic, you offer blood and don't offer blood. Um, firstly, blood is the it's life force. Okay, it's it's part of of what makes us living, as opposed to dead. So the dead don't require blood. Um, they are the dead, the beloved dead, Um, they don't need your blood, they don't want your blood. Um, But more than that, um, if you are offering blood to disembodied spirits, um, those that stick around who do not make it across or do not make a transition from this world to the other world, um, they usually refer to as the hungry ghosts. And in that regard, if you start feeding the dead blood, then the hungry ghosts are going to come along and pick that up. And they're going to take that as an offering for themselves. And they're going to attach to you. They're not going to leave you alone because you're not feeding them blood, which brings them, brings them close to back to life. Um, So, uh, when you're doing necromantic work, when you're working with the dead, when you are doing graveyard work, anything of that regard, don't offer do offerings of blood. Okay, simple, really. Um, All right, let me go to the next question. Linda Green again. Um, Thanks for the questions, by the way. Do humans reincarnate as animals? Do animals ever reincarnate as humans? Um, this is going really going to depend on your own worldview and your own beliefs. Um, if you are uh, focused a lot on Buddhist beliefs, then the, you'll probably find that depending on the karma you've collected, um, if you are human, you could descend back down the ranks um, into animal, to plant, etc. Um, but an animal who has gained good karma um, can then ascend the, well, sort of ascend the steps, ascend the ladder, um, and reincarnate as human. Um, so yes, humans can reincarnate as animals, and animals can re- can't reincarnate as humans. But that's just one worldview. That's one perspective. That's one belief. Um, if you, you know, talking from my own personal worldview, um, when we die we get thrown into the cosmic soup, and we get mixed up with all of the the um, souls that are in there, and that doesn't just include humans. That does include, you know, it comes from an animistic point of view. Um, so it does include animals, it does include birds, fish, uh, mammals stones rocks trees plants everything that has a spirit from an animistic point of view so everything gets thrown into the cosmic soup it all gets mixed up and then at some stage a blob gets taken out and placed into a new body that body can be plant animal rock whatever um or human um so it's not really a case of you were good in the previous life, therefore you now get this reward or you were bad in the previous life and therefore you get demoted down to, from human down to animal. It's not a case of that from my own, as I said, from my own perspective. Um, it's really just the experience that we need to have going through different lives. So we get mixed up, blob gets pulled out, put into a new body and Lives out its life until it dies, and then gets thrown back into the cosmic soup. So we get mixed up with it's not this pure soul um, idea either. Whereas whereby um, you know you are a human being, you die, your soul is pure, and it stays that way, and then it just gets transplanted into a new body um, when you get born again or, or when you get reincarnated. Um, it's not that pure soul transition either. And that that forms a lot of other people's beliefs. Um, But in mine, it's a mixture of many, many, many different souls, um, or soul parts, or or essences um, that get mixed together and put into a new body. And we experience the new life from that perspective. Um, So again, all relates back to your own personal beliefs and your own worldview. All right, next question. Uh, Words have power. That's that's where the question is from, the person. Um, Would love to see an in-depth video on opening the mind's eye. And if I'm doing visualization in the magic, is it just my imagination or is the magic actually being done? Um, Love this video, Lee. Always watching for your content. Thank you very much. Okay, um, opening the mind's eye, um, I actually, this is actually perfect timing because if you go back to Monday's video, I did the review of Matt Oren's book, uh, Psychic Witch, which covers all of this, everything and more. Um, I do absolutely, 100% recommend that book, it's absolutely fantastic and it explains everything in depth, um, you can get all your answers in that book really. But to give you a a brief rundown, um, in-depth video on opening the mind. Sorry, this won't be an in-depth video then, because it is quite a large topic. Um, But when we talk about the mind's eye, uh, we can talk about the witch eye um, or the witch sight. And this is really just referring to the psychic senses. And everybody will experience the psychic senses in different ways depending on which of the senses are more developed than Mm -hmm. others Um, and we all all have natural abilities and we can take those natural abilities and we can enhance them and then work on the ones that are not so easy to come by um, and try and work on those ones. Um, But you know overall It's working with the psychic senses, and when we're doing that, we are seeing with a capital S with our entire being. Um, You know, we use this word seeing, or the sight, and we therefore often relate that back to just the eyes. Because we see with our eyes, we do not see with our skin. We do, actually. Um, But we do not see with our tongue. We do, actually. But yeah, You you get what I'm saying. We we use the word see and the sight and we therefore relate it just to the eyes. But when we're talking about the psychic senses, we're actually seeing with the entire being. So we're using all of the senses to see. And that's really what the mind's eye is. Um, The other part of that question also, if I'm doing visualization in magic, is it just my imagination or is the magic actually being done? Is there a difference do you really think there's a difference between your imagination and the magic actually being done? And again, coming back to Matt Orion's book, there's there's an emphasis on the imagination. Uh, One of the exercises in there is actually to role play and to use your imagination, because it's a very important aspect of magic. Now, one of the main reasons for this is because referring to our our uh, mirror oh, excuse me mirror neurons um there is a term for this and i'm trying to remember what it was i'm always forgetting words i think i'm getting old um maybe somebody can remind me in the comments so i've got completely gone but the it's something like plasticity um so if you remember what it is just let let me know what it is in the comments so basically the brain cannot distinguish between imagination and reality. So if you are watching a movie or reading a book, and you're completely immersed in this movie or this book, in the actual scene that's, that's, that's being played out in front of you, and you, you kind of become the character, um, the brain doesn't know that you're not the character. It thinks you are the character. So when we're doing magic, um, we can often explain it in in the ter- in terms of, you know, especially with visualization and manifestation techniques, we can explain it in terms of what we imagine is reality. So when we are, th- are visualizing something that we want in our life, we are always told to visualize it from the um, present state. And... The reason for that is that we need to make it present. We need to make it reality. And it can only be reality if it is in the now. And what happens is if we constantly visualize this scenario where we are in this situation where we have what we want, then the brain cannot recognize between that and what is actually here now, reality. So what it needs to do is it needs to adjust everything in order to align with that reality, because it doesn't know the difference. Um, So visualization and imagination is extremely important in magic, and there is no difference between that and actual real magic. Okay. Um, Let's go on to the next question. Okay, uh, Twilight Wanderer, are these worlds like planets or something else? Uh, I can't remember what video this was relating to. I'm assuming it was a video, but what I'm going to assume with this is that you are, we're referring to the, the three worlds, um, upper world, middle world, lower world. These are not the planets. Um, the planetary forces, the planetary aspects, the archetypes of the planets, they can be worked with. But, yeah, just reading the question, are these worlds like planets, dot, dot, dot planets? um, I'm going to assume we're talking about the three worlds. So, upper world, middle world, lower world. Um, What we find is that you know, we, we consider these things to be maps. Um, if we have a look at the Kabbalistic Tree, for instance, it's structured in such a way and it has paths leading from um, one sphere to another, another sphere and, you know, so you can take different paths up the Tree of Life. Um, and we consider this to be a map of the cosmos. Um, when we talk about the, the three worlds, um, upper, middle and lower, uh, which can also be referred to as the um, the realm of sky um, land and uh, sea uh, from the Celtic cosmolo- cosmolo- cosmology um, but we also have Yggdrasil, which has nine worlds we have if you have a look into the Mayan and the Aztec um, when they talk about the lower world they separate it into depends which which source you read and which um, actual um, culture we're, we're basing this in. Um, but it could be, they, they could map out 11 of 11 worlds in the lower world or 13 worlds in the lower world. Um, so we have these worlds which are other worlds. Um, another word for other worlds is inner worlds. So what you'll probably find is there is a relation between um, the microcosm, the macrocosm. So the macrocosm would be the larger cosmic, the larger universe. And the microcosm is the, it's a replica of the macrocosm, but it's smaller. It's the small universe. And we can think of ourselves as being the macro, sorry, the microcosm and everything beyond us being the macrocosm. We can take it smaller, we can go into an atom, um and that atom is a microcosm beyond that is the macrocosm because it's all repeated we have the small universe and the big universe Uh, and i've forgotten where i was going with this worlds worlds yes inner worlds um so when we're talking about the inner worlds and i when i talk about the astral temple i often refer to the inner temple and when i do magic when i do spell work i often talk about going in inward going into the inner temple and it's the same thing going in to the inner worlds. So you're entering into the microcosm which becomes the macrocosm as above so below etc. Um, so you know we we do we do tend to map out these worlds and give them a structure but that's only to try and interpret to try and understand. What you've got to try and remember is these worlds are not three-dimensional. We're talking about a five-dimensional reality trying to explain it and understand it in a three-dimensional way because we are three-dimensional beings. So it makes it easier to map them out. But try not to think of them as a three-dimensional thing where you step from this world into, you know, you take a step into the next world. Um, They are all in the same space, time, um, all in the same um, existence but we can move from one to the other. We can experience them differently. Um, If we were to think of Carlos Castaneda's books and the teachings of Don Juan, what we find there is he speaks of the assemblage point and the assemblage point is a kind of like a spear almost. Our energy is in the form of an egg or a ball And it's just lines of energy that flow constantly, but it comes in, it kind of comes in as a funnel into our heart and then through, and that's the assemblage point. What Don Juan spoke of was that we can shift the assemblage point to different positions. And as we shift them, shift the assemblage point, we experience reality, different realities, alternate realities. Now these alternate realities can be as subtle as a mood change or as completely and utterly different as a totally different world, uh, where the sky is green and the, the grass is red type of thing. Um, now, you know, again, this is a completely different way of looking, or, or all of these are different ways of looking at these worlds, um, but they are worlds within worlds within worlds. and. When we talk about the upper, middle, and lower world, it's a very basic um, idea of the three three realms, the three worlds. We often refer to the three parts of the soul, which is found in many traditions, which then relate to these three worlds. Um, but what is interesting that I found out recently from um, Kai actually, is in the heathen um, worldview, the upper world is actually beyond the perceivable universe so beyond the stars and the planets that we can perceive experience beyond that into a realm that we don't know anything in there we don't know what the spirits are that's the upper world and you know the heathens do not go into the upper world because it's an it's it's some some place you just do not go because it is beyond our experience. Um, And then we have the middle world and then we have the lower world. Um, But you know when we are splitting these worlds into, and again I'm going to come back to five-dimensional realities versus three-dimensional explanations. When we're splitting these worlds into um, their inhabitants, um, some will refer to the The lower world, as that's the place where the ancestors reside. Um, In the middle world is the fey, and in the upper world is where the gods are. Um, Some people will place the gods with the ancestors in the lower world, and if we have a look at Yggdrasil, uh, Norse mythology, uh, we have Hell, which is usually placed in the the lower world, in in the underworld, and that's where our ancestors are found. So, you know, even when we are p- trying to place inhabitants into these different worlds, there's, it's not a solid thing. Um, you probably find that there are fey, because fey are usually found in the middle world, because the middle world is a, um, a world which is our world. It's this world. Um, but it's, it's kind of slightly off sync or out of sync. Um, so if we brought brought them the but bo- them both into sync, then we would see the Fey. This the Fey would experience everything that we experience here. Um, the two would overlap um, and become one. They are, oh, you see, this is, gets very difficult because they are already. Um, but to try and explain it is, it's the the two worlds are kind of out of sync. Okay, um, so but this this is the middle world, and they're just slightly apart so that we do not experience the fae on a daily basis. We do not interact with them. At one point people did. In history um, it's said that people did interact with the fae on a daily basis. Um, They weren't as separate as we experience it now and that separation is said to have been caused by technology, um, by our own ignorance, um, through our own separation from you know the separation of matter and spirit so we have to bring matter and spirit together and we will get to experience this in a, a more um, tangible way um, so that's that, that would be the middle world and that's usually where the fate are the nature spirits the land spirits the forces which we experience in this this reality um, and the thing is that the fae can also be experienced in the lower world. The gods can be experienced in the lower world. Um, spirit guides can be experienced in all of them. So, you know, I, I am a very logical, technical um, person. I, I have that brain where I have to try and put everything in boxes and categorize everything. And this has been my, one of my biggest challenges in uh, magic and spirituality, is, uh, well, and witchcraft. Is to try to understand that our, these things cannot be put in a category. You cannot say the ancestors are only in the lower world, the gods are only in the upper world. It doesn't work like that. Uh, it's a five-dimensional reality. So you need to try and break away from, you know, categorizing everything and placing everything in boxes, because it's just going to confuse the hell out of you at the end of the day. All right, um, I think think that answers that question. Um, I hope that's what you were referring to. If it wasn't, just let me know in the comments again and I'll I'll add it to, to the list. All right, so I think that's enough for today. I'll see you next week with more. Have a good one for now. Cheers. Bye-bye. This podcast was brought to you by, well, myself, Lee W. Johnson. To find out more about me, please visit my website at leewjohnson.com or check out my link tree in the description of this podcast. If you like the video format, then subscribe to my YouTube channel. That's me for this week. Hope to hear from you soon. Thanks for listening.